Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the Royal Ascot Day 3 preview, the Thursday of Royal Ascot, and this is sponsored by Skybet. I'm your host, George Eddick, and has been as has been the case with day one and day two. I'm joined by two expert tipsters, Roy Delaghi and Odds Checker Tipster, Andy Holding. Now, we've, we've exchanged pleasantries. We've spoken about the weather. We've spoken about the quirks of Ascot. I think people now just want to get stuck into the racing. So we're going to start off pretty quickly with the Norfolk Stakes in just a second. Before we do, I'm just going to point you in the direction as ever to the Odds Checker app. Do download the app. There you'll get the best prices, which we'll be talking in terms of today. The best place terms, which is essential as anyone who bets anti-post on, on Royal Ascot will tell you or any other meeting, big festival for that matter. Um, free bets, which everybody loves. The best tipsters, such as Andy himself, every morning of racing, not just during major festivals, but all through the year as well. The man barely ever has a day off and we're all very lucky for that. So do download the app now. And without much further ado, let's get into the racing. As I mentioned, it's it's the Norfolk to kick us off on Thursday. And uh, Lucci is the nine to two favourite. Cadamosto, six to one. Nakatomi, seven to one. Second win, 12 to one. Uh, Andreas Vesalius, 14s alongside Go Bears Go, Ebro River and Instinctive Mole, 16 to one bar. Now I've, uh, I've, I've talked up Andy there, uh, but Rory, I'm going to give you first run here for the Norfolk. And, and I should say, before we get into it, we're recording this at about half past one on Monday. So the final decks aren't in yet. So a bit of guesswork as to who's going to be running where. We can obviously look into the jockey, the jockey bookings to try and make sense of it, but these races are going to cut up and the prices are going to change. But uh, at this early stage, Rory, where are you looking for the Norfolk? I don't massively like the Norfolk at this stage. And there are, there are a few towards the head of the market who I think are, you know, are, um, are engaged elsewhere. Ebro River, for example, who, who would be um, the shortest price of the English uh, base challengers is declared for the uh, the Coventry, uh, so we'll not be going here. Uh, Tipperary Sunset um, also reasonably well fancied is, is uh, already declared over five furlongs as well. So this is again likely to be a West Ward um, benefit. Although I can't say that either Lucci or Nakatomi um, look to have um, as much on hand. Yeah, in this as one or two of his earlier in the week, particularly the Phillies. Both are um, impressive debut winners, one at Belmont, one at uh, Keeneland. And, so, you know, the pair of them are quite interesting. Um, but, again, it's very, it's, it's hard to, um, hard to get a feeling for, for how the, the ward horses are going to go at this stage. Uh, what kind of price you're going to get is largely dependent on how they run in the first uh, day or two. And this is a difficult race to bet in at the moment with... Um, uh, with a number of them going elsewhere. Canamosto's um, a pretty interesting one for um, uh, for Aidan O'Brien. Um, Nune never called out of a um, out of a fairly useful mare um, who was a, a winner over six furlongs. Um, and he was impressive on the poly track at, uh, at Dundalk first time, wearing a tongue tie, which I imagine he'll wear again here, but obviously nothing declared yet. But he cleared away quite nicely to win by uh, three and a half lengths. Um, and did that in a good time for the for the poly track at Dundalk. Very very different track here, but we know that Aidan O'Brien's more than happy uh, to prepare his um, his two year olds at Dundalk if he feels that that's that's uh, more suitable in terms of the preparation, and it enables him to get them out earlier as well. That that race he ran in uh, was on the tenth of April. Um, the um, the few opportunities on Trophy Camp at that stage of the year 
uh, would likely come on, on much softer ground. The form is, uh, it wouldn't say it's absolutely spectacular, but it's worked out, it's worked out reasonably well. Uh, Strapps, who was sixth, was a next time out winner. A few of those who finished um, uh, close behind him have, have run uh, more than respectably since to back the form up. Um, the question about this race and the question about the whole day for me is whether the rain is going to arrive and to what degree. Um, we mentioned this um, um, earlier that there's up to, well, up to possibly an inch of rain on Thursday morning um, hitting Ascot. But it's always difficult to be absolutely certain at this, you know, this, uh, with the weather as it is. Um, whether we're going to get a rain in the same sort of quantities. But if we do, then we're looking at a, a potentially starting on soft ground. Um, and that makes it very difficult to, to get involved in this. But looking at this uh, and, and checking out who I think are liable to be non-runners, I think Katamost is quite interesting in a round. What is he, six to one top price? Six to one, like that's that. price, yeah. Yeah, whether he wants soft ground, I don't know. The fact that, it, that Aiden's kept him away, uh, you know, he's, he's only given him a run on polytrack. Um Throws it up as a question mark, but yeah, this is this is the least uh, the least appealing race of the day at this stage uh, for me, and uh, that that's that's roughly where I'll be going at this stage. But I'd rather it was good ground to be doing that, and of course, you'd imagine that very soft ground would be against both of the um, both the West Warthorse as well, Lucci and, and Nakatomi. So it's um, that potentially opens it up. Yeah, it's interesting, and something you mentioned, Andy, <clears throat> on the on the day uh, two preview uh, in relation to Armour, who you were hoping, I think, to back in this race, but maybe trainer Richard Hannon uh, saw the weather forecast and decided to to run on the Wednesday instead. Where does that leave you for for the Norfolk? Well, I'm I'm glad I've kept my powder dry and, and haven't got involved yet. Um, Armour would have been the number one choice, but obviously he's gone elsewhere, which is uh, good and bad in equal measures. But this is a cracking betting race for me because right at this very moment in time, bookmakers haven't quite worked out what's going to go where yet. They're probably still, you know, reeling from pricing up them, you know, day one, day two. And some of the prices obviously are there uh, for certain horses that are already entered up in the week in, in both uh, the you know the Coventry, Windsor Castle, for instance. So there's a hell of a lot of horses that are going to be virtually halving in odds here, and their chances are going to become a little bit more apparent in the next 24, 48 hours. So I think that it's now is the time to strike. The one thing we haven't got, which we have got to our advantage in the Coventry and Windsor Castle is that bookmakers already priced those races and they're giving you the extra places as well, the four, the five, the six place terms. We can't have a cake and eat it. We can't have five or six places and the, the big price about the horses I'm, I'm, I'm going to be mentioning now. But um, I think the price is key first and foremost. The two horses I really like, once you whittled the field down, because you, you look at about Amalfi Coast, he runs in the um, in the, in the Windsor Castle with Ryan Moore Bunt. And I think that paves the way, as, as Roy's already alluded to, for Cadamoster to come here. That, and the fact that Ryan Moore was jocked up to ride armour and arm has been parachuted into the other race means that he wants to be safe for Cadamosta. The big problem is for Cadamosta is the ground. He's a, he won on the all weather first time out. This horse has been entered up two or at least three times to my knowledge over in Ireland in the build up to Royal Ascot. They desperately wanted to get another run into him. And every single time, if it does rain, they seriously um, disadvantaged. And that goes to the two Wes Ward horses as well, Lucci and Nakatomi. Um, both of them. Um, one on a fast surface, first time out. They're both bred to appreciate a fast surface. Lap of the gods, or you're in the unknown with those two. And these two, these three horses take out a huge chunk of the market, four to one, five to one, five to one. Then Twelve to one bar. Those, yeah, then you've got all those non-runners, courtesy of other engagements. There's two horses here that um, I'm really, really excited about. Um, Project Dante's one of them, who, uh, like his name set, 
uh, say one on the knife my first time out. Um, a real proper Brian Smart two-year-old, knew his job. Had to quicken up a couple of times to win that race. He, he quickened up to get there. And then when all the horses come at him, he, he went again. I loved his attitude. Time figure was very, very healthy. If you take out all the non-runners, which I mentioned, he's, he's joint top rated with that York time figure. Therefore, no great surprise to see the second, third, fourth, all win since. So the form's good. And it was on good to soft ground. But I don't think it'll have any problems. I don't think it's not going to go a bog, but it's going to go on the easy side just by the rain. So it's quite handy if you've got a horse that handles soft ground, already proven on it. So he's a player at 16s. And the other one, which is absolutely a complete mythical price, is a horse called Corker. Jocked up to run by with Clifford Lee on board. 25 to 1 you can get it for this fellow at the moment. He finished second to the aforementioned um, Project Dante. But if you look at him, he, he completely missed the break. Uh, he was clueless throughout the contest and he finished very, very strongly. He charged through the line. He then went to Carlisle the other day, sent off a warm order. He probably wasn't impre as impressive as his market price suggested he might be. But once again, he, he got the job done. Interestingly, that was a stiff track. Carlisle. I do like horses that run well on stiff tracks, you know, your Leicesters, your Sandowns, your Carlisles, proving that they can get up a hill. And obviously, Carl Burke trained two-year-old, you know, he's, he's, he's had plenty of um, good two-year-olds run here. So, 16 to 1 Project Dante, Corker, who chased him home, 25 to 1. They're just grossly overpriced. They're, they'll be half those odds on the day, and they're both going to be big players. Andy, you've got me excited here. I'm just frustrated we're now going to be recording for the next two hours and I can't do anything about it. Uh, Project Dante's 16 to 1 at the moment, and uh, 25 to 1 Corker, uh, that is best price with Skybet, uh, our sponsors of this show, as well as short as 18 to 1, 16 to 1 elsewhere, Corker. So you want to get on that whilst you can to up against the field there for Andy. And as you say, Calamosto, I think I'm right in saying, doesn't have a jockey booking yet as well, which might suggest that the connections are aware of, of, of what's coming in terms of the rain. And, and Andy, you mentioned that a couple have come out before. Well, not, not well, have come out a couple of times. None of Aidens have been jocked up all week. Yeah, that's fair. The deadline for, for jockey declarations is not the same time as the deadline for um, no. uh, for, for uh, the horse declarations. Yeah. So while, while most trainers take it as being the same thing and, and declare the jockey at the same time, Aiden will almost always leave those until the very last minute. Is it, um, is, it, is, it, is it an hour? Yeah, hour's grace, is it, to put a jockey yes, on? Yeah. yeah, I thought so, yeah. And most trainers don't use that, but it's it's par for the course for, for, for Aiden and for Willie Mullins as well um, to, to do that. So you're often left guessing. It was interesting because when we when we did our Monday preview, when we spoke about the um, the Mullins jockey bookings, if we'd actually taken note of the two that Ryan Moore was was, uh, was riding, both of them halved in price in the next couple of hours. Um, so... Yeah, interesting when you get it right. But here, as you say, um, nothing to be gleaned uh, from from nothing um, being aboard Calamosto as it stands. Now, the second race of the day is the Hamden Court Stakes. And Mohafeth is the 13 to 8 favourite at this time with one ruler, 6 to 1. Moving time, 7 to 1. Roman Empire, 9 to 1. Maximal, 10 to 1 alongside Visualisation. And Secret Protector, 12 to 1. 14 to 1. Bar, Andy, over to you. Again, another... Cracking anti-post betting race because we got a thin one here in the shape of uh, Mohir Feth, who was obviously withdrawn from the derby. Rather controversially for me, I, I must admit, I'd, I'd, I was a bit nonplussed by it. It didn't really make any difference to me. I haven't got a farthing on it, but I just thought from a sporting perspective, you know, there's only one derby and we weren't talking about, you know, bottomless ground. And yet 
you know, they decided to swerve it and come here. They, they might get uh, their comeuppance again with <laughs> the rain that's forecast. I mean, it, it, it'd be ironic, wouldn't it, if they, they swerved it and thinking, oh, we're going to have good ground, good to firm ground, and then they end up getting soft ground again. They might have to withdraw it again. So we could get a favourite out here. So as it stands, this is an anti-post betting race. You don't get rule fours with Mahafet if you have a bet now. So again, another race you've just got to play in. Finding the right one to, to beat Mahafet is, is is obviously a mute point. I, I wouldn't have that much confidence in one ruler. I'm not sure about him over the trip. He ran okay in the derby, but he, he pulled too hard in the guineas and then he didn't stay last time. Oh, I, I, I don't know what to make of him, really. You've got other refugees from the derby as well. And another... High-profile races. Maximel's an interesting one. I presume he comes here, does he? Or is he, is he, is he in the St James's Palace? And I've missed. Is it Rory? Is he in the St James's Palace, Maximel? Uh, let uh, me let me double check that. I think, I think off, off memory he was when we when we. He is, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so like, you there you go. Like, you got the to him. You got the favourite that might be out if if they're going to do what they did again, and they've got almost style law to their opinion, haven't they? That's not what we're drawing on soft ground. So what are you, what are you doing in the derby? They're going to make to look fools, aren't they? Either way, either way with that. You've got the second favourite now runs in another race. One rule, like I say, is dodgy. The, the one I quite like at a big price, and I, 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 I had a round of drinks on him in the Irish derby, was um, Irish guineas, was, was the, um, the, the Rastafarian, or the Rastafarian. He just got stuck out on the wing that day after being slowly away. And he, he raced away from the speed towards the near side uh, where Lucky Vega was. He didn't run too bad. He got about eight lengths in the end, but I thought that was a respectable run. But if you go back and look at his run in the uh, in Craven, he was a massive, massive eye catcher that day. He was running over the back of horses, and then when he's once he got out in the clear, he really took off and came home. He's got a soft ground win, uh, soft ground um, win last season. He finished second uh, to Pythagoras at Pontefract on soft ground. Graham's still firm for him first time on the new market, but he, he handled the conditions in Ireland fine. But I think a mile and a quarter on a turning track. On soft ground, he's going to be he's going to be absolutely ideal for Rastafarian, um, and he's twenty to twenty to one. Twenty to one, best price. Yeah. Again, it's another race you've just got to bet in now because there's going to be so many different, um, changeable and fluctuating prices. And if you're on the right horse or right horses now, and you're putting some of these in some multi bets, you could have some incredible value looking ahead of, and and in you know crystal ball fashion ahead of the field you've got to get ahead of the herd here at the moment with these two days well the Rossiferian yeah 20 to 1 best price as short as 12 to 1 elsewhere um, Rory any others I mean Andy's told us why we can't back a few at the top of the market you in, you in agreement and if so who are you looking side with yeah I, I, I do not think the favourite's going to run and that really opens it up you know, if they weren't going to run them in the derby and we'll have it. The, the thing that I think with the derby is that if they if William Haggis was convinced that he was absolutely flying and ready to run the race of his life, I think he would have taken a chance. I think it mm. betrayed the fact that he, he lacked confidence in the horse's ability to be competitive at Epsom, to pull him out um, because of the ground. As Andy says, there's only one derby. He's a very good judge, the William Haggis. And I just, I suspect there was something else slightly behind that. You know, that if it was rattling fast, He'd have he'd have taken a chance knowing that's what that's what his horse wants, um, but he's not going to get it here either, or, or it'd be very surprising if he gets it. And it's difficult to know which Godolphin horses that will turn up here either. And I'm not mad keen on, on one ruler, as Andy says. If you like the Rostafarian, uh, you've got to give um, Pythagoras a chance as well. Uh, he's a horse I quite like, Pythagoras. Although my theory on him is that I that he will prove better suited by a left-handed track. He was, it was twice a winner going right-handed last season. And actually his record makes it look like he wants to go right-handed. But I didn't think he actually handled the right-handed turns particularly well at either Beverly or Ripon 
um, last year. Um, and I was with him when he ran in the Dante. I thought he ran pretty well in the Dante, but um, given he made the running um, in the Blue Ribbon trial at Epsom on his reappearance, I thought to change tactics completely and go to um, uh, and sit at the back of the field uh, rather backfired against him there. Otherwise, he might have been a bit closer. He ran pretty well. Uh, and it looks like he's going to run here with Paul Hannigan booked. So again, he's 20 to 1 and he's got that uh, verdict over the Rastafarian last year. Uh, but as I said, I've still got that slight concern about him um, how happy he is going around the right hand to turn. The obvious one is moving time. Um, he's what seven to one? Is he? Is that the best yes, price? Seven to one, one best price for Skybet. He won well at Newmarket last time. I only a maiden, but I looked a strong maiden. The horse he beat, Kamari, was the winner, uh, an impressive winner next time out. He looks like you know he's bred to be a group horse. He's very much going in the right direction. Um, that wasn't a particularly impressive time, but it was a slowly run race, and he was. He um he produced a, a quite an impressive finishing sectional there. I thought he would um I thought he'd improve a lot from that. Uh, and interestingly, the only other entry he has um is uh, a very interesting one on the Irish Derby. So he's clearly held in extremely high regard. He will handle conditions, and uh, well, I hope he'll handle conditions. And I think there's plenty more to come from him. Andrea, I'd say he's chopped up for another one in the same ownership as well in the race. But I cannot see them running world champion here. Um, instead of uh, moving time. So moving time strikes me as being a very likely runner. And I think he could well start favourite for the race. Um, so seven to one looks decent value. Again, Andy's point about um, how the, the market's um, liable to change markedly here if and when we'll have it to stick out. Moving time, seven to one best price with Skybet and for Pythagoras of whom... I think Rory's saying it's all about the angles, uh, 20 to 1 with Paddy Power and Betfair Sportsbook. Apologies to everybody who had to listen and uh, hear that one there. Um, on to the, uh, the Ribblesdale next, uh, the third race on the day. And the favourite is Noon Star, who's run behind Snowfall. Obviously looks a fair bit more impressive than maybe it did on the day. Uh, second favourite is uh, Divinely at 7-2, Ashada 4-1, to one, Dubai Fountain 8-1 to one, alongside Gloria Mundi, uh, Secret 10-1, to 12-1, to one, Twisted Reality and Taslima 20-1 to one bar. Um, Rory, we'll start with you here with Noonstar, of course, we expected her to run in the Oaks. Uh, that wasn't to be, and this is the first time we've seen her since that run behind um, the eventual winner of the race. Yeah, no, it might be. It might prove to be a very good idea that that um, uh, she missed the Oaks, although that wasn't deliberate. Was she running a temperature in the week, and they, they had to take her right? So um, the, the other way of looking at that, she's sort of coming off a little bit of a setback. So that's slightly off-putting, uh, but obviously the form has been franked. Um, she she was very strong at the finish when she won it at Weatherby. Uh, that's a race that threw up the Lingfield Oaks trial winner as well. So that looks solid form. And she proved she handled soft ground really well when uh, when winning at Nottingham uh, last season. So she, she she's an obvious favourite and I, I'm not um, I'm not against her, but I'm inclined to give Dubai Fountain another chance, assuming she's a um uh, she's an intended runner here. She could no other no other entry at the meeting. She's eight to one and, and um possibly bigger in in, uh, in another place, but eight to one I can see. Um, and she's got the best form in the race. You know, I thought uh, the Chester, the form from the Chester Oaks hasn't worked out as yet, but I think it was very solid form at the time. Neither her nor Zayana give their running at all. They ran absolute stinkers, but I don't think for a second that that was a poor race. Um, you know, nicest and, and Lusher Cond uh, in behind them there. It looked a good race on paper. Um, Dubai Fountain won it in good style. Her best effort last year was when beaten 
less than a, or just over a length than the Phillies mile on the soft ground at Newmarket. She definitely stays the trip. I mean, she stayed, you know, she stayed 11 and a half furlongs well at Chester. But for whatever reason, she blew out badly at, uh, at Epsom. I'm inclined to forgive that at the prices. You know, if she was, if she was priced up on, on her overall form, then I'd be a little bit wary of touching her. But she's, um, she's something like fourth or fifth favourite here. Um, and I, I think that's maybe even bigger than that. I think that's um, an overreaction to one poor run. She's got a solid, um, solid form from last season. She kept improving. Her best form came on soft ground. Um, and I'm just inclined to, to write Epsom off as a, as a complete disaster. Um, uh, we've seen plenty of, we've seen Phillies come back after disappointing at Epsom to win this before Magic Wand was, was a little disappointing at Epsom before winning this in 2018. And I think Coronet ran terribly well in the Oaks um, her year before winning this. So a poor run at Epsom is not a bar to, um, uh, to winning the Ribble still. And for me, eight to one is just too big a price about you buy a yeah, eight to one to buy a fountain. Uh, also came in for some serious market support before the Oaks. There was an absolute plunge on, on to buy a fountain before the race, although that wasn't justified to, in terms of uh, of her run. Uh, and Andy, who looking for it? Who are you looking at? I should say in the Ribblesdale. Yeah, I've still got a, a, a docket somewhere um, with uh, Noonstar's name on it for the Oaks. Um, As do I. <laughs> yeah, so that, that um, that's potentially going to light the fire for next year's bonfire. Um, <laughs> but. Um, I was quick out of the traps with um, trying to trying to recoup my losses when when I saw the prices uh, for Noonstar for this race. Basically, before the Oaks, I thought, well, if this if if the first four or five in the betting don't run, there's a good chance that uh, Noonstar, if she recovers from a, a slight ailments, will, will come up here. And there was good there was good um, reports or bulletins after afterwards. I checked with um, contact of mine that knows Sir Michael and Mikey Holden quite well, and um, they said, yeah, still on track for Ask, blah blah blah. And you could still get, you know, a decent enough price um, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I backed Noonstar there and then. So, yeah, and, and the race looks as though it's disintegrated quite quite nicely. Um, Ashada uh, scrambled down at Newby, second favourite. Time figure was pants. Um, so I'm not really worried about that horse. Roy's uh, case for Dubai Fountains is a valid one um, in, in many respects. Although you know, there's AR the form line, which I thought was was good off the back of that Cheshire X didn't work out as well as I thought it might. Um, but yeah, you, then you're getting on to horses that have been getting beaten maidens like Sea Carrots and Gloria Monday. I mean, it's a modest race. Time figure-wise, mm-hmm. start the fastest um, middle-distance filly time in winning at Weatherby early on in the season. That The race worked out really well, as we all know. And then the race was a joke at, at um, York. The music door definitely favoured the winner, although obviously the, the winner's gone on to... Uh, to prove that theory incorrect in many respects by winning the Oaks, but look, you know, she 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 chased it, that filly home valiantly when she wants a more stronger run gallop, where it's an emphasis on stamina. Um, the rain falling won't bother Noonstar either. She, she's um, she's already proven on soft ground. Um, she won at Nottingham towards the back end of last season when it was an absolute bog. There I say, everything's um, all the stars are aligning for Noonstar. What can possibly go wrong? <laughs> What can possibly go wrong indeed? 11 of 4 best price, uh, Noonstar. Andy looking to recoup his his losses and, and maybe um, get some money back from that Oaks bet for Noonstar. Dubai Fountain, the one for Rory. On then to the Ascot Gold Cup, where Stradivarius is the 10 to 11 favourite with Subjectivist 11 to 2. Trushan, 8 to 1. Spanish Mission, 10 to 1. Santiago, 12 to 1. Serpentine, 14 to 1. Emperor of the Sun, 16s, 20s bar and I'll stick with you here I mean I've asked you the question probably 
20 times in the last few years. Stradivarius, short price favourite. Is this a banker or is this one you're looking to oppose? On fast ground, yes. Um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, he's been the best day for the last four or five years. Gold Cup's tailor-made for him. He, you know, he, he cruises for two mile two and then he quickens like a mile and a half horse. He's, he's just very, very difficult to beat under those circumstances. But the one way of getting him beat, and the only way he will get beat, is if all that rain comes. Um, but the, the one time he got particularly arduous conditions, and it was towards the back end of the season in October, was the this day's um, race on Champions Day. And he got absolutely battered by Trushan. Now, Trushan's the absolute polar opposite. He's very much a horse who has to have soft ground to beat his best. And he's likely to get those conditions. I mean, I don't know how soft it is going to be, but you know, according to all the, all the reports, it is going to be fairly soft. Um, if they, if they, you know, if it, it could be up to like 20, 20 odd mil, so it'll that'll definitely play into the strengths of of Trushan. And I just felt the other day he kind of looked as though that run at Chester was just a, a, a kind of exercising him, bringing him on. They didn't want to give him too hard a race first time out. You know, he, I don't think it was any disgrace to get outpaced by Japan, who was a you know world class horse over a mile, a mile four. I, I think they'd be, they, they must have come away with that race delighted. And he looked as though he got Japan in trouble uh, um, a little while down. Back on genuine soft ground over a you know stamina sapping track like Ascot, which he proved when he won um, when he won in, in October. I think he's. I actually think he's one of the bets of the week. I really do. I think, you know, he's current seven or eight to one quotes. Once people realise that the ground's going to change and are t- anticipating rain, and then let's say it does rain on the day, and let's say it's good to soft, soft in places or something like that. Well, we're guessing, but that's seemingly what it might be. I could see him going off again, seven or two, four to one maximum. So, yeah, I, I think it, there's a few races on this Thursday and Friday we're going to be talking about here where I think you've got to be betting now because... There's going to be a huge shift in dynamic. The prices are going to completely look different on the day. The whole flavour of the races are going to look different. I mean, Subjectivist, again, he's another one that necessarily wants soft ground. He's a proper fast ground horse. You could give Prince of Zoe a chance if the ground went soft. An absolute out-and-out mudlark. So there's other horses that are going to be seriously, seriously um, upgraded if, the, if this ground does change. But, I mean, true, Shan, he's, he's a stand I mean, seven and a half lengths. He won that race last year. An unbelievable time figure as well. It was the fastest time figure we got the whole of last season was in that race. So, yeah, eight to one's a must bet now if you can back that each way. Eight to one, best price as it is for Trushan, the strong one for Andy there. Rory? I can't agree more. Um, he's an absolutely outstanding bet, Trushan. He's got, as Andy says, he's got better lifetime um, time figures than, than um, Stradivarius does. Stradivarius is very well suited by the fact that not many horses can really sustain a gallop uh, at two miles and beyond. So these races tend to be run at a reasonably modest pace. Um, And if you've got a horse like Stradivarius who settles really well and then can quicken at the end of any distance, it's a perfect setup for him. He he wins it with a turn of foot. A lot of the races, he's the group one races he's won, um, the the overall time figures of those races are, are ordinary. Um, but he's done it by having a, a superior turn of foot. Look at last year when it looked a reasonable race with a couple of furlongs to go and he's ended up winning 10 lengths on ground that he, that he was supposed to not like. And in that kind of form, he's, he's very hard to beat. But um, Trushan galloped him into the ground um, in October. And you're sometimes wary of end of season form, but you look at Trushan's career um, record 
and it's re- it's tremendously solid. He keep he goes from strength to strength. He wasn't pulling a big figure out of thin air that day. It was a little bit of a surprise um, on the day, but you know he'd been very very progressive up to that. His one blip was in the the e-board, which is very forgivable because anything that wasn't on the pace um, at York couldn't you know didn't play a part in the finish. He did pretty well after a slow start uh, to be beaten only eight lengths in the day. Um, but he showed how good he was by by winning um, next time out, getting right back to form, and then he um, he, he produced that effort. You just got to watch the race again. It's the temptation is to say because Stradivarius was, was down the field that there's some kind of fluke about it. You cannot watch that race and think for a second um, that it was a fluke. He was absolutely different class on the day, Trushan, and what he can do. We haven't seen him at this trip. That's a slight question mark, but he can maintain an absolutely devastating gallop for two miles and further. Um, and the way he the way he was going clear at the finish um, at Ascot over two miles in in October suggests he'd actually relish the trip. Cracking run at Chester in a race that wasn't run to suit. He tried to drag the, the finish um, out of Japan, and he just got done for a turn of foot by horse. He was conceding weights too, and Japan, you know, is, is a multiple Group One winner. So for for, um, for him to concede weight at a trip that's short of his best was still a very good performance. He'll come on for it. Um, I cannot believe he's not second favourite for this, and I think he should be. I think he should be reasonably close to Stradivarius, who did make a reasonably impressive return, but he didn't look. He didn't look quite the horse of old at the end of last season, and I think you know at the age of seven, the cracks may be beginning to appear with Stradivarius, whereas Trushan is is very much going from strength to strength. I think he I, he should be he should be three one seven to two short. I think. Yeah, um, and eight to one at this yeah. stage. We don't know how much rain there's going to be. I would be absolutely stunned if there wasn't any rain. Uh, and good ground would be fine for him. He's capable of winning on good ground. But if it turns, if it turns soft, uh, you know that's that's very much in his favour. Um, and the market simply hasn't reacted to it. And I think he's a, a, a really solid bet. And I, I agree entirely with that. One of the bets of the week. Trishan eight to one agreed. Roy and Andy one of the bets of the week at Royal Ascot. Time for the fifth race of the day. Now on uh, day three of Royal Ascot, it is the Britannia Stakes, and not a single single figure price in the in the field as it stands at the moment at this stage. Uh, we got. Air to Air is the 10 to 1 favourite ahead of Radebarg at 12 to 1, Belmont Avenue 14s with Mithras, 16 to 1, George Peabody, Dino, Probe, L- L- Liffey River, Cahill, uh, Horoscope, Visualiz- Visualization, Royal Pleasure, 20 to 1 bar. Um, just blank canvas this one, Andy. Ted, take it away. Yeah, if, if ever there was a race um, in contrast to all the others where we know a lot of facts that we need <laughs> to know. Yeah. Um, the draw and the state of the ground. This is it. It's not like the other races where we're going to get a whole plethora of non-runners and, you know, we're not worried about the draw, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's angles to be had, but I don't think there's one here, as far as I can see. What we can say is that the two horses that stand out for me based on what they've done visually, clockwise, and they're likely to handle the ground and, and, and handle the track would be air to air. I always like horses that win at Doncaster. Doncaster is a really good hold-up track where... You know, you come through at the end and you wait and you wait. And the ones who plays their hand latest tends to win. And Jamie Spencer was brilliant on air to air the other day. And this track is absolutely tailor-made for him because he, he's a horse that um, gives himself a chance. He, he's not, not a hard puller. He's, he's a horse who relaxes in his races and almost comes alive in the latter part. You have to wake him up. Um, he's got soft ground win as well at Newmarket the time before. So again, ground, not a problem. I still think he's considerably well handicapped. He's likely to get any third either in the card, but I'm, I'm sure... 30, you know, maximum 33 three, I'll drop out and he'll get in. 
so yeah, I think he's. He, I think he, at the moment he's, he's rightly towards the top end of the market. Uh, and the other one I've been quite impressed with is Roger Varian's horse. I think Varian had the winner of this race last year. Did he? Was it Calusi who won this race last year? I think so. He's quickened up twice really strong. He's also called Rodebog. Rodebog, Rodebog. Rodebog, yeah. Um, I mean, if it rained between now and next Christmas, he'd, he'd still be um, quite happy with that situation. But again, he's done good numbers and he looks a classy horse. See the handicap, I think so as well. He's got a rating of 99, which won't be easy, but um, he's a big player. I think visualisation, the other soft ground horse, goes for the Golden Gates on Saturday, so I'm led to believe he would have been another possible, having won a straight track cover race last time against the older horses. I think he's a, I think he's a nice type. So, look, I'm just giving you a few notes to conjure with here without you know, nominating about 25 horses, which you could do. But yeah, that, those, those are the ones I'll be looking at at this very moment in time who won't be affected by the ground if it does change. Uh, to add 10 to 1 pretty much across the board, including Skybet, Radabog, 12 to 1 best price as it stands. Uh, normally I'd say Andy Kahn has put it the top, top two in the market, but when they're both double figure prices, I think we'll let you get away with that. Um, Rory? Yeah, those will also be on, on my shortlist um, for this contest, um, but there's quite a big shortlist. And there's not there's not a huge amount of juice in the prices, and on, as Andy's pointed out, unlike a couple of the earlier races, um, there's no great angle um, to back to betting early in this race. Uh, and again, you, you, can, you want to see how the uh, how the draw um, sets up and what the going is going to be like here as well. But yeah, um, I think he's pretty mentioned all no, all but one that I'm interested in. Um, uh, Liffey River on my shortlist. Royal Pleasure uh, hasn't got to mention. He, he's an interesting one, son of Kingman. For the Samark Prescott yard, who doesn't have too many um, uh, Royal Ascot runners these days, he'd rather be running them at Carlisle during the week and whatever else. But he did me a very good turn many, many moons ago as a young man. I backed Wizard King in this, and I backed his his runner the previous year each way. He finished second as well. Um, don't you dare! And Royal Pleasure, although he's not tried a mile yet, he's he's guaranteed to improve for it. There's a slight question mark about how well he will handle softish ground, but um, he, he won really well at Wolverhampton on his reappearance, and then he was turned out and set off at odds on at, at Kempton last time out. But he wasn't suited by the way that race was run, um, and ran on late to finish second uh, behind Red Mirage. There's a lot of improvement to come from him, um, and I, I'd um, I'd want to keep him once I. He's number thirty. So we will sneak in. One who probably won't get it on, but is interesting at a, a, a potentially a big price is the Nigel Tinkler runner, Isla Kay. I thought he'd be a bigger price. The, the firms aren't really, um, there's no there's no point sticking horses in at 50 to 1 for this because you're not going to see any money for them anyway. And you're, you don't want to get caught out. So a lot of these horses who are priced up at 20 and 22 to 1 will be much bigger on the day. Uh, Isla Kay may not get in because he's number 46, but we don't know, you know if people are convinced the rain is coming. A few of these might defect. He was a winner on his handicap debut on soft ground at Doncaster. Uh, that looked a pretty competitive race at the time. He beat an unbeaten rival there by four lengths, making all the running. Um, but he'd also come from behind to win uh, his maiden at Red Car last year. And I think you can probably put him anywhere in a race. Because of his connections, because of his low weight, he'll be ignored in the betting. Um, but if he does sneak in, which is um, a little unlikely, um, he could go... Um, yeah, he could cause a surprise. Um, soft ground will be absolutely fine for him. Both wins have come on a soft surface. And if he doesn't get in there, just stick him in your notebook. I think he's potentially a very interesting horse uh, for later in the season uh, for a, a pretty shrewd yard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough race at this stage. There are, there are you know, obvious claims uh, for about 10 horses who are 16 to 1 or shorter. Um, and not difficult, but it is difficult to, uh, to pick between a few of those. So 
Uh, I'm not going to get uh, too carried away. I'll, I'll throw a few ball, but at either K, uh, the best price I can find. But I suspect he won't get in the uh, he won't get in the race. Otherwise, it's the um, it's Royal Pleasure who I'd probably um, a favour there over Liffey River. Yeah, Royal Pleasure, best price, 16 to 1 and 25 to 1 Isla Kai. And as you mentioned, if Isla Kai is balloted out, you would get your money back because it wouldn't just be a, a non-runner there. So that would be one way of playing it. Although, as Rory says, you might get bigger on the day. Uh, on to the King George now, where uh, Nagano for Roger Varian is the 11 to 2 favourite ahead of title at 8 to 1. Siskini is 10 to 1 with Sir William Bruce and Salamarak and Shorefire. First light, 11 to 1. Sorry, gold, 12 to 1. Parachute, 14 to 1. Alongside Mystical Dawn, Lawn Protector, Inigo Jones, King Frankel, plenty others in there as well. Now, Andy, we, we <laughs> just on Salamarak, a, a, a horse that we've spoken about both on and off air a fair bit, um, a horse that we both had um, tickets for that can go on, on your bonfire. I'll send mine in the post uh, for the derby. Um, do we think we're going to finally see Salamarak here at um, over on these shores in this in, in the King George Alaska? Yeah, I mean, of all, of all the races he, he could potentially run in, um, I would think he's short. He's short. He's short on Friday, isn't he? For the uh, for the King. Yeah, I mean, this one would be the last on the pecking order, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, if he was if he was good enough to be even thought about as a Derby contender, which I personally thought he was, just wish he would have run now. But anyway, that's that's for another day. Um, the King Edward looks his obvious target, doesn't yeah. he? You know, he's rated 100. You know, he won a handicap last time. But it's not the kind of race you want to be... He's not the kind of horse or the kind of race you want to be winning with a horse like this. It's just... He's, he's now... He's in that echelon of, like, being talked upon as a group horse. You know, why would you... Why would you, why would you have him in the derby and all of a sudden run him in a handicap? It's just not Aidan's thing, you know, particularly if he's got a, he's got a race like the King Edward uh, high up on the shortlist the day after. So, yeah, I can't see him running in this. I think it's a case of... A question of um, nominating horses that I don't like that I do like here. <laughs> I mean, this is a who's who of three-year-old time figure horses. I'd literally be here all day ticking them off. Nagano, big number on his last two runs. Um, Surefire, big number less the other day. Title beat a really good horse at Yarmouth the other day. Very fast time. Condo Island, Condo Isamo involved in a very strongly run race last time. Chalkstream got beat by a good horse last time at the figures. King Frankel, second to Bay Bridge. That was a massive time for Newby and he was unlucky not to win at Epsom. Literally, I could be here all day. The one horse, I will throw one into the mix at a big price, if he does raid and reigns in large quantities, uh, is a horse called Tash Khan. Likely to be underestimated, he's trained by Brian Ellison. Uh, but if the clock is anything to go by, he did a superb bit of work at, at um, Haydock on his last run when he beat Chalkstream. Chalkstream had won very easily the time before and was well fancied off his um, new mark, recess mark. And he got absolutely battered by Tachan, Tashkan, who left him for dead with a, an amazing um, final three furlong split time. Mm. And that was off the back of a very strongly run race. Um, he's gone up to 86, which might or might not get him into the race. I don't know. He, he probably might need a bit of luck. But if he did get in and the rain came, he'd be one to consider. But that is definitely a race where... I'm not going to spend too much time until I see the full decks the ground and the draw because I'll be I'll be literally having a sleep tonight trying to get <laughs> back, back the whole uh, back the whole field. Uh, Tashkan is good, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I think there's at least seven or eight potential group horses in that race, which is often the case. Tashkan twenty five to one best price as it stands, uh, Rory. In the same way as Andy does, I want to see the draw. Um, I want confirmation of the ground, but I. I I bang on about this race every year when I talk about it. 
you want to be with the highest drawn horses here. Again, it, it seems to surprise people every year. Uh, when this was run a couple of years ago on soft ground, um, South Pacific actually won it for Aidan O'Brien um, and he trained the first three home. But the, uh, in behind the winner, um, the, the draws of the next horses home, 18, 19, 20, 21, 15, 14, 22. And no single, no single numbers among those aside from the winner. Um, and year in, year out, you get horses winning this from, from very high draws, or sometimes the um, the very highest draws often the best to have. As long as, again, you need to have connections who understand that there's an advantage to do that. The best way of, of, um, of riding the track here on soft ground is from a wide draw, stay wide on the track um, until getting to the first turn and then move in. Whereas jockeys tend automatically to try to move towards the rail straight away. And that, um, that negates the benefit of the draw. You need to be, uh, to be going forward and staying wide on the track. It a, you avoid, you avoid the congestion you tend to get on big fields towards the inside. You get a clear run. And, and half the time in big field um, round course races, um, most horses are beaten because they're hampered or they're unable to get a run when they need it. Uh, and therefore, getting a clear run is hugely important. And the best way of getting a clear run is staying away from congestion on the inside of the track. And year in, year out, high-drawn horses do really well over this course and distance. And year in, year out, TV pundits seem very surprised by that. Um, so so the, the, um, the bias is still there. It doesn't stop you winning if you're drawn in, in the middle. But it is, it's generally a negative to be drawn very close to the inside. When you see the final decks, uh, as, as Andy says, there are maybe a dozen horses in here who are of interest. Uh, but I would um, narrow that down to horses who are drawn very high and pick off those firms who price them up as if the high draw is a, is a negative and maybe bag four in the race. If you, if you fancy one very strongly from the middle, I wouldn't put you off it. But I would be looking to get value in horses drawn 20 and higher or, you know, certainly the top four or five draws in this race. There you go. As useful, I think, as any selection. Uh, some good strategy there from Rory uh, on the King George back to horses. Well, those you fancy uh, with high jaws, uh, the way to go for this one. Um, and so keeping the powder dry until seeing the jaw, but a fair few likely types in there. So you shouldn't be sport for choice when that does, uh, when we do find out. Um, the draw in a couple of days, or I should say tomorrow, actually. On then to the last race of the day, the Buckingham Palace, uh, where Lord Campari is the 10 to 1 favourite, head of Boardman at 11 to 1, Red Mirage 12 to 1, Amethyst 14s with Aldari and uh, Persuasion, Tom, Tom Free, Hong Kong Harry 16 to 1, Stunning Beauty 16 to 1, on the Warpath 16s with Blue Mist, Bielsa, Volatile Analyst uh, 20 to 1 bar. Roy, I'll come to you here for the, the lucky last on day three. Yeah, this is uh, this is not an easy race to get involved in either, because I guess that some of the more interesting horses here um, are liable to be um, heading elsewhere. Uh, but the one who really takes the eye, um, and I'm pretty sure it'll be running here, is Aldari. There's not going to be a fancy. What price do you get Aldari there? Aldari is uh, fourteen to one best price. Oh, that's uh, that's a pretty. Um, that is a big price. Too. That is a big price. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was expecting he, to say seven or eight to one. Yeah, he looks like. He he won his his first three races, all of them on um, on easy ground. He met his only defeat last time out at Goodwood in a race that's worked out well. He was third to Ross Collin, but he was drawn very high, and Jim Crowley took a pull, leaving the stalls to try to get him across to the inside. I'm not a big fan of of that tactic uh, as a means of winning races. I think he um, 
I think he 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 lost um, a lot of his chances. He was an odds-on favourite that day. He was beaten three and a quarter lengths again into third, but did good late work to grab third place. Looked a, um, I'm not sure you'd say he looked an unlucky winner, an unlucky loser on the day. But I think the way the race panned out um, didn't suit him. The tactics didn't work for him. And of course, Ross Collin has shown that to be decent form by winning again since. Um, he will love seven furlongs uh, and soft ground. He's got exactly the right kind of profile for one of these um, Ascot handicaps. You're either looking at those horses who, who turn up here all the time, who aren't particularly well handicapped, but keep giving the running at Ascot. You're raising sands, you're Escobars. Uh, and I wouldn't put you off raising sands here. But when you find one who's completely unexposed, who has ideal conditions, and the handicapper hasn't quite got him yet, um, you get the impression that you, you've, got, um, you've got something um, very much in your favour. And Al Jari, while, while strictly speaking, you know, he arguably needs to improve a little more to win off 105 because he's only had the two handicap starts. I think he's almost certain to improve. He's almost certain to have conditions in his favour. Um, Jim Carly's already booked up. I think this goes off a reasonably short price favourite. So 12 and 14 to 1 is very appealing indeed. Al Dari, 14 to 1 best price at the moment uh, for William Haggis. Uh, Andy? Can I just copy and paste what Rory Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> When he when he said Aldari, I was surprised he said Aldari because I was thinking Rory will never tip a favourite here. Um, it's not his style, as he said. He, he's always looking for a bit of value. So, and I, I saw eight to one sort of like on on the on the racing post. I thought he, he won't go for that. And and then you told me it's fourteen to one, which I can't I can't get my head around that. I mean that this will be five to one on the day, absolutely guaranteed. It, bookmakers will react to the the, the going change. They'll realise it's a high profile, sexy horse. It's going to get shorter anyway, um, organically. But then when you add on top of that, the fact that a lot of these sexy ones even get even shorter in the market, come the off. You know, they open up eight, they go seven, six, five, and think, God, I might have gone off nine to two, this thing. There are a few bets, as we're pointing out here, that on Thursday and Friday, you've just got to have, even almost if you even if you didn't fancy Aldo, you've just got to have it because in a 14 to one shot, that's going to go off five. Um, but yeah, the, the, the race at Goodwood was a mess. He didn't suit him at all. He was too far back. But he's a course and distance winner. I mean, course and distance form, which we've talked about to a great extent in most races, is like gold dust. If you've got a horse that handles Ascot and can come off the speed and can show a turn of foot, then uh, more power to you. And the fact that he's done it mostly on soft ground as well, he's an even double bubble job was the, uh, the foot of the, the handicap. I think we've pushed both of our chips into the, into yeah. the centre with <laughs> True, Shannon... Oh, yeah, so we can get eight to eight to one, fourteen to one, and each way double on those two. Beauty, there's each way double for the podcast. Uh, that sounds good enough uh, for me. Fingers crossed, they both get there, and if they do, I think they're going to be very short indeed. So, um, is it worth me even asking if you're naps, or, or have you just rattled them off there? Again, I'm in complete agreement. We, we disagree with a, uh, on a few things, but <laughs> those, those two horses um, both look the wrong price, um, and, and they, they look like um, certain market movers on the day. Uh, unless we miss this rain altogether. But even then, I, I still think you're probably on the right side of them. Andy, what's the nap? True, Sean. Absolutely. All day long. At, at the price, because I, you know, I, could, I could nominate you know, shorter ones in the betting that have got, obviously got a more obvious chance. But at the prices, you know, you, you, you've got to be having more on those, price, on those kind of horses and you have you know, your two to ones that are more likely to win based on their on their market position. But when you see something like that, that's so stand out, then you've, you've really got to fill your boots. And you're back in on each way? Well, you've, you've got to back it each way to be on the insurance, haven't you? I tend to bet each way most of the times when I can. I'm, I think Rory's probably more, I'll have a win bet and perhaps cover on something else. But 
I'll be pretty sure Trushan have been a first rate to the point where I, I don't mind, you know, having a good crack at that. And is Trushan the one for you as well? If you had to pick one, that Rory. I'll, I'll go Aldari just to uh, to, just to, to, really... to round up the double. Um, <laughs> just, just to put a bow on it. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Well, that's the each way double. Thank you both very much, Rory and Andy, for sharing your thoughts on this day three preview of Royal Ascot. We've done day one and day two already. We're about to do day four. So do listen to the podcast on any podcast platform, the Odds Checker Betting Show, or also subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel as well, where you can find all of our previews for Royal Ascot and plenty else there as well too thank you very much to Skybet for sponsoring this show they have plenty of enhanced place terms and other things and offers on other days racing as well so make sure you do check out Skybet uh, do download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, bookie offers, place terms, free bets, and some of the best tipsters in the game, including Andy himself. Most importantly, though, please do enjoy the racing. Fingers crossed we put up a couple of winners here today. Definitely a couple in that podcast that I'm quite excited about myself. But most importantly, please make sure you do gamble responsibly. Mm-hmm.